Hey, welcome back to Well, That's Interesting. The holy shit, this is another milestone. So let's talk about massive destructive rocks edition. <laughs> Today is episode 150, the largest known asteroid to hit Earth and how to survive the Chicxulub impact. Yes, my friends, you heard me. The asteroid that wiped out 75% of plant and animal species on Earth 66 million years ago, AKA Chicxulub, that was not the largest. And yes, you heard me. Together, we've reached 150 fucking spectacular episodes, each more devastating than the last. So please, please give yourself a round of applause. I mean, with every listen, download, comment, when you rated, when you hit subscribe, every time you told a friend about the uncomfortable thing you learned while tuning into this show, you helped it grow. I mean, mostly me, but you too. It is truly an accomplishment for a podcast to last three years and to hit this many episodes. And honestly, I could not have done it without every member of the flock. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. And to show my appreciation, we're going to talk about two asteroids whose impacts completely changed the course of life on Earth. We are going big, just big in all sorts of motherfucking ways. In the first half of the show, an event you probably never heard about since it happened a wee two billion years ago. That's billion with a B. It's been dubbed the Vredefort Impact or the Vredefort Asteroid. And my friends, you are, you're just going to shake your head at the sheer size of the beast which smacked into our planet. Now, once upon a time, researchers had an estimate of its dimensions and just how fast it was hurtling through space as it hit. But thanks to advances in technology, its history is being rewritten and boy howdy. Calculations were made and this fucker is now the largest known impactor to, well, impact Earth. Now, I'm not gonna quote any numbers now because that'll give way too much away. The horror will have to wait and I cannot wait to get into it with you. Then, after the break, I had to do this. I'm busting out everyone's favorite new segment, Let's Read from a Book, Motherfucker. And we're returning to the epic new publication, How to Survive History, by Cody Cassidy. And just like the title suggests, this book is all about surviving the worst of the worst. And today's worst is the asteroid that led to life on Earth as we know it, the Chicxulub asteroid. And my friends, we are going to dive into the literal hellscape this fucking rock caused around the globe. And we are going to ask ourselves, could we make it out alive? I mean, where would us humans have to hide? How far would we have to travel to find food and water? Is it even possible? Like I said, 75% of life perished because of this thing. And that's just the start of what happened. But before we reveal any of this, I'm Jill Chacha. And if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock, my lucky business goose. You've joined a very, very unique family. <laughs> welcome home. And uh, let's begin. To do so, I'm going to have to ask you to pack some bags and your sunscreen because we're heading on down and over to where else but Vredefort, South Africa. Now, for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, where is this? Don't worry, I've got you. Please picture Africa. Thank you. Now, point to the very southern tip. That's South Africa. Hello. Now, move your finger to the north 
east corner, and here you'll find a small farming town with only about 3,000 residents. This is Vredefort. Now, what you'll find just outside this little place is one of the largest, most historic natural features found yet. Back in the wacky 1990s, 1994 to be exact, Western Earth Sciences professor Desmond Moser stumbled into a big old hole that he felt wasn't just your average big old hole. Um, following his nerdy gut instinct, Desmond hitched up his pants, busted out a very long measuring tape, and published a paper in 1997 which claimed this hole was actually an impact zone with a diameter of around 106 miles or 172 kilometers. Now, if that sounds big, it fucking is. To help put 106 miles into perspective, that's about the driving distance from New York City to Philadelphia. And for something to create a hole that big, well, it was probably a very big rock. Desmond did some calculations and clickety-clack, that asteroid would have had to have been at least 15 kilometers in diameter or a little over nine miles. I'll say that again, a rock that was nine miles in diameter. Is that big? You fucking bet it is, my friends. The Cheek Shalhoub asteroid that wiped out the dinos and a whole lot more. What we're gonna cover in the second half of the show, that's been estimated to have been six miles in diameter. This fucker was at least nine. Now, uh, unfortunately, a lot of Desmond's fellow Earth science colleagues took an equally giant dump on his findings and flat out dismissed the idea this hole was a special hole. Potentially the largest impact crater ever found so far. He told fizz.org, quote, it was the first paper I ever published and people kept following it up by publishing stuff knocking it. I said it looked like an impact rock while everyone else said it wasn't. But I was still convinced I was right." End quote. Amazing. I am so fucking happy to report Desmond never gave up. And it wasn't until 2009 that fucking yes, this hole was finally confirmed and agreed upon to be the largest impact crater ever found. What became known as the Vredefort Impact Zone was a crater over 100 miles in diameter caused by an asteroid nine miles in diameter itself and was probably traveling at the god-awful frightening speed of nine miles per second. Yeah. Now, you're probably wondering when in the holy hell did this happen? Who did this happen to? And what were the effects? And hold the fuck up, didn't you say thanks to advances in technology, its history is being rewritten and shit? What? what? Yep. Yep. Great. All great questions, my brilliant business goose. Let's start with this. Researchers believe the impact occurred about two billion years ago, thankfully, when the Earth was only covered in single-cell organisms. And as to the literal hellfire and brimstone the impact caused, well, you're gonna have to stick around for the second half of the show because thanks to all the research that went into the Cheek Shalhoub impact, we have an idea of what happened here. And all I could say for now is reading about and writing notes on asteroid impacts has left me fucking shook, y'all. It will leave you shook. I, it, I, I, I cannot wait to get into the nitty gritty with you. So please 
put a pin in this clusterfuck. Okay, I promise it will be worth the wait after the break. Now, finally, my friends, we said this was a big hole, right? We all agreed on it. It was a big hole. Well, hold on to the things you hold dear, including your own holes, because um, some folks at the University of Rochester revisited Rita Fort and did some new clickety-clack calculations, revealing some terrifying shit. Okay, let's just start at the beginning. One fine day, Natalie Allen, now a PhD student at John Hopkins University, she was digging around some dirt samples with Miki Nakajima, assistant professor of Earth and Environmental Sciences at Rochester, and what they found together made their jaws drop. Quote, By studying the ejected material from the Redefort crater, researchers were able to match samples to those gathered from present-day Karlia, Russia. They estimated the distance of the two landmasses to be around 2,000 to 2,500 kilometers, or 1,200 to 1,500 miles apart at the time of the impact. End quote from Charles Hay of IFL Science. Did you hear that? I hope you heard that right. The impact was so fucking colossal, debris was found up to 1,500 miles away. And here's another kicker, my friends. For that debris to have traveled that far, mathematically, this means the, the asteroid had to be even bigger than originally thought. Now, over the course of course, delete, delete, delete. Now, over the course of two billion years, needless to say, the Redefort crater has eroded, which made old Desmond's measurements difficult to estimate, but he sure was fucking close and used the best technology he had in 1994. Fast forward to 2022, when our dynamic duo, Natalie and Mickey, whipped out a fancy shock physics program called Simplified Arbitrary Lagrangian... It's called ISAIL for short. I, I cannot pronounce the last word. Elur Google ISAIL for short. <laughs> anyway, this beast of a program was fed dimensions, stats, and all sorts of red meat to create a series of impact simulations. And what was discovered? Drumroll, please. Thank you. The structure's original diameter, the hole, would have been between 250 and 280 kilometers, or 155 to 174 miles in diameter, not 106 miles, during the time of the impact. My friends, this hole was up to 70 miles or so bigger than we thought, which means the asteroid had to be bigger than nine miles in diameter. Okay, I truly hope you're sitting the fuck down right now because the image bomb I'm about to drop on you is gonna keep you up at night, all right? Okay, okay, good. <clears throat> the asteroid that hit Earth two billion years ago is believed to have been 25 kilometers or 15 and a half miles in diameter. Yeah, if you're horrified, just as much as I am, and thinking, wow, that's a really, that's a really, really big rock, you're absolutely right. To put this nightmare into perspective, Mount Everest is five and a half miles tall. This rock, no, I'm gonna call it a fucking mountain itself. This mountain is three times bigger. Its shadow would blanket Mount Everest. This fucker, I'll say once again, was around 15 and a half miles in diameter. And uh, 
I know what you're thinking other than I, I can't even, I, I can't even. Uh, you're probably wondering what this impact did to Earth and all of the living creatures on it. Well, my friends, we have a very good idea about what happens when asteroids, even smaller ones, say six miles in diameter, hint, hint, hit our planet. We know thanks to the extensive coordinated research of scientists from around the globe who have dedicated their lives to one extremely important event, the Chicxulub impact, whose devastation unleashed the hell that ended 75% of species and the rise of a handful of others. It created the Earth as we know it, and that transformation is what we're going to cover after the break. My friends, you really need to prepare yourself for what's about to happen. We are going to live through the Chicxulub impact and ask ourselves, could we survive it? Probably not, but you know what? We're gonna try, we're gonna try. We're gonna try. So please, you're gonna wanna hear, you're gonna wanna hear this. Stay tuned. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There are really many reasons to listen to our podcast, Big Picture Science. It's kind of a challenge to summarize them all, Molly. Okay, here's a reason to listen to our show, Big Picture Science, because you love to be surprised by science news. We love to be surprised by science news. So, for instance, I learned on our own show that I had been driving around with precious metals in my truck before it was stolen. That was brought up in our show about precious metals and also rare metals, like most of the things in your catalytic converter. I was surprised to learn that we may begin naming heat waves like we do hurricanes. You know, prepare yourself for heat wave Lucifer. I don't think I can prepare myself for that. Look, we like surprising our listeners. We like surprising ourselves by reporting new developments in science and while asking the big picture questions about why they matter and how they will affect our lives today and in the future. Well, we can't affect lives in the past, right? No, I I guess that's a point. (laughs) So the podcast is called Big Picture Science and You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. We are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us. We hope you'll take a listen. Hey, everyone. Jill Chacha here from Well, That's Interesting. And I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it. I love it. And it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms. So when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. (laughs) You get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So What are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. 
20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 That's now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Dust that. Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, imagine yourself in the very, very late Cretaceous period. Now what the fuck does that mean? Don't worry, I've got you. Honestly, no matter where you found yourself on Earth at this time, around 66 and a half million years ago, the days would be sunny, humid, and warm. So warm. In fact, palm trees grew in what's now the Arctic. And of course, we're certainly not alone. We would be dwarfed and running from the mighty T-Rex. There's the 80-ton Alamosaurus over there who just can't say no to a good leaf. Uh, these things were like 40 feet tall and were probably vegetarians. There's also the Ankylosaurus, who can't, you, you can't miss them. Uh, they have a wrecking ball for a tail and that's a shit ton of fun. Also fun, a new star in the sky which we'd see if we were in the Northern Hemisphere. So let's go with that. Please, my friends, imagine us looking at the night sky, at that new star. At first, it's the same size and shape as any other, but this one is going to change quickly. Quote, but look again a few hours later and you might think this new star seems a little brighter. Look again the next night and it will be the brightest star in the sky. Then it will outshine the planets, then the moon, then the sun. Then it will streak through the atmosphere, strike the Earth, and unleash 100 million times more energy than the largest thermonuclear device ever detonated. End quote. Well, my friends, if that sounds like we landed in hell and we need to find a way out, you're exactly right. Welcome to everyone's favorite segment. Let's read from a book, motherfucker. <laughs> and... That book I just quoted is The Incredible How to Survive History by Cody Cassidy. I absolutely adore this book. This is not a plug, not a commercial, just I think you should have this book and read it. Today, <laughs> we are going to ask ourselves if we can survive the event which led to humans and countless other mammals. And spoiler, just because humans came out of it, it doesn't mean we'd for sure survive this, and uh, we're going to get into the details. But first, my fellow geographically challenged Americans, you may be wondering, where the heck is Chicxulub? Well, don't worry, I've got you. Please picture Mexico. Thank you. Now, you see that tail that curves up and to the right? Well, please point to the very end, the very, very tip. Okay, that's the Yucatan Peninsula, and along the shore is a little town called Chicxulub, where this rock made impact. And what a fucking impact indeed. Quote, in a prehistoric nanosecond, the reign of the dinosaurs ended and the rise of mammals began. Not only did the impact exterminate every dinosaur, save a few ground-nesting birds, it killed every land mammal larger than a raccoon. In a flash, Earth began one of the most apocalyptic periods in its history. End quote. Dude, I got the fucking chills just reading that, and I've read that a thousand times. <laughs> so let that just settle in for a second, okay? Do you think we'll make it? 
No, that's a great answer, but we're sure as hell gonna try. Uh, we just have to find the right place. Charles Bardeen, a climate scientist at the National Center for Atmospheric Research, ran a few simulations of his own and published the asteroid's fallout in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Now, <clears throat> I hate to break this to you, but no place on Earth was spared. Literally everywhere was impacted. So let's get into it. I'm gonna share a super important image with you on our social media stuff, so please come on by and take a look. Um, if you actually think there's something more important to do right now than take a gander at this horrifying graphic, like homework or feeding a loved one, you're absolutely wrong. But if you must, go ahead. I will describe the zones to you now. So please, please picture the fucking world. Thank you. Now, specifically, we're facing the side which includes the tippity top of North America all the motherfucking way down to the tippity end of South America and a smidge of the Antarctic. Now, I'd like you to recall where the Cheek Shalhoub impact was located. Okay, fantastic. Please draw a circle a few hundred kilometers around it. Thank you. And here, my friends, is the vast space where every living thing literally vaporized instantly. Yeah. Now, around this circle, please draw another. Thank you. This one is several thousand kilometers. Uh, for reference, this would probably reach from what we now call the United States southern coast down to the top of South America. Uh, within this zone, uh, good news, don't worry, you won't be vaporized, but it is still considered inhospitable. You die from the shockwave. Fabulous. Okay, now let's draw a new circle around the previous. This one is thousands of kilometers larger. It's engulfing all of the United States and Canada and a large swath of South America. If you were a creature living in this zone and had ears, well, <laughs> I'm sorry about this, but you'd have permanent eardrum damage thanks to the asteroid's path through the atmosphere and its impact. Now, the final zone. We're looking at you, Iceland, Greenland, UK, Europe, the rest of South America, and some of West Africa. If you had anything fragile, like glass just hanging around, it would shatter from the shock wave and sound waves. So, please give yourself a round of applause for imagining that hellscape. That was a lot. That was a lot. Breathe. And number two, if you hope and pray we were nowhere near these zones and on the other side of the globe, well, you haven't been paying attention. I said there was no place safe. And believe it or not, I bet bottom dollar you'd rather be vaporized than survive what we're about to experience. Quote, the survival of your shrew-like ancestor suggests that a fellow mammal like yourself would at least stand a chance. Unfortunately, the shrew had a number of apocalypse-friendly adaptations that humans have since lost. The shrews ate insects, burrowed away from the heat, and had fur to warm itself during the freezing decade that followed. You could replicate some of the shrews' survival strategies. Uh, you could burrow, you can expand your diet, but evolution has robbed you of others, and your opposable thumbs might not be enough to save you when that twinkling star enters the atmosphere at around 12 and a half miles per second. End quote. That's, um... I know, I know what you're thinking. Sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> what in the holy hell happens to Earth itself when something 
six miles in diameter, hits us going that fast. Uh, that was 12 and a half miles per second, not miles per hour, my friends. Well, <clears throat> I'm kind of glad you asked, kind of. <laughs> Quote, at impacts of that speed, Earth's atmosphere behaves like water. Smaller rocks called meteors hit the atmosphere like pebbles into a pond. They decelerate rapidly at high altitudes, either burning away in their friction with the air or decelerating to their low altitude terminal velocity. But the mountain-sized Chicxulub hit our atmosphere like a boulder into a puddle. It maintained its velocity until impact, plunging through the entire 60 miles of atmosphere in around six seconds. As the asteroid screeched over what is now Central America, it, had, it emitted a sonic boom that reverberated across continents. End quote. Okay, I don't know if you missed that part, but it fell in six seconds, my friends. Let that part settle in two. If you're appalled at such a speed, you should be. It, it, it's fast. At that speed, friction between the asteroid and molecules made the air heat to thousands of degrees. So much, so much so, any shallow lakes or water covering the Yucatan dried up before impact. Now, let's talk about that impact, shall we? We're gonna have to do it. Um, like we said before, with an impact, I'm sorry, with an object this big, moving this fast, the atmosphere reacts like a fluid. Well, hold on to your butt cheeks, because so does Earth's surface. Yeah. Okay. It's imagination time. Again. You can do it. You can do it. This is, this is a little bit easier to picture. Okay, picture the Cheek Shalhoub asteroid as an asshole at a public pool during doing a cannonball. I know. This is, just stick with me here. It's doing a cannonball. Uh, and now instead of that douchebag hitting the overchlorinated water you're swimming in, it's going to be the land you're standing on. Now, like with any cannonball, quote, the initial splash in all directions is followed by a delayed vertical sploosh. In a swimming pool, the entire process occurs in a few seconds. In Chicxulub, it took around 10 minutes. But the difference is a function of scale, not speed. The initial wall of Earth gouged outward was more than 20 miles high. The transitory cavity nearly breached Earth's mantle, and when the cavity rebounded to form the delayed vertical sploosh, the Earth rose at over a thousand miles per hour to heights taller than Mount Everest. Within minutes, this mountain almost entirely collapsed in a series of secondary explosions. End quote. End scene. Uh, that's a lie. We're not ending anything. This, this just got started, and, I'm, and my voice is like hoarse. Okay, here are a few number bombs that I'm gonna have to drop to help put the power of this impact into god-awful perspective, okay? Now, this asteroid was estimated to have weighed seven and a half billion tons, traveling at about 10 miles per second. All that kinetic energy was converted into heat in an instant when it made contact. Now, Cody gives a great example of how you could like wrap your mind around this. Um, for example, when a ha like a hammer, a hammer heats up after hitting a nail, right? And that impact creates about 0 0.001 kilojoules of energy. Leave that number in your head. Now, 
Here's the number of kilojoules the cheek chalupe impact created. Okay, imagine the number one, thank you, point three, followed by 23 zeros. <laughs> now, if that sounds like too much, you're absolutely right. And uh, I'd like you to recall the zones we talked about. The impact zone has 0% chance of survival, and the secondary zone is a smidge above that because this amount of energy, in, in this amount of energy, electrons are stripped away from their atoms, ionizing the air into a plasma fireball that travels outward at a thousand miles per hour. Maybe. I, I, okay, maybe. This is an estimate, and it's a conservative estimate. Here's what I mean. Quote, the only comparable event is a shallow-depth thermonuclear explosion. <laughs> yeah, though, depending on their sizes, the energy associated with meteoric impacts can be much greater, said planetary scientist Elizabeth Silber on page 17 of Cody's book. Thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, she continued, quote, If this asteroid hit the same spot today, the blast wave would kill you in Texas, deafen you in New York, and blow out your windows in Buenos Aires." End quote. Okay, well, my friends, I gotta say, the only lucky time to be in Texas is probably during the impact, because you wouldn't want to live through the next moments and months and years of the fallout. And that's what we're going to get into right now. <clears throat> now, here's some advice we could start with. Uh, the impact radiated away from the ground at two and a half miles per second, which means tsunamis, as tall as sky skyscrapers, hit Gulf coastlines in about an hour and traveled tens of miles inland. Tsunamis also found their way up the eastern seaboard six hours after impact, and 600-foot walls of water hit Europe's coast, along with Western Africa. Research shows within 15 hours of impact, all coastlines on the planet were hit. So, stay away from the coasts. <laughs> you might also want to keep your eye on the sky. Um, remember we briefly mentioned secondary explosions after the vertical sploosh? Oh, good, because, quote, when the asteroid punched a hole into the Earth's crust, it launched 25 trillion tons of the Yucatan on ballistic trajectories. Some of this debris rocketed away at speeds that exceeded our planet's escape velocity, exiting the Earth's gravitational pull to either orbit the sun or embed themselves in other moons or planets. Thousands of these rocks from the ejected Yucatan eventually pelted Mars and even impacted Jupiter's moons. The majority, though, returned back to Earth within the hour. These glass-like chunks called tektites, some as large as school buses, but most the size of marbles, pelted the Earth at speeds ranging from 100 to 220 miles per hour. Regardless of where you are on Earth, you'll need to find protection from this fiery hailstorm. Charles Bardeen suggests a cave." End quote. So, <laughs> Thanks, Charles. I uh, appreciate that. Charles then went on to elaborate, saying you might want to find a deep cave, not one with a view. So thanks again for that. Um, you're going to want to protect your body. Because just like the big-ass asteroid created heat as it streaked through the sky, so will the billions of tiny rocks falling back to the surface. Apparently, 
This part was so bad, nearly all the trees on Earth burned. That's why only ground-nesting bird species survived. And those creatures that could burrow, like our small mammal ancestors, and some snakes and lizards, or those who could flee into water, like crocs and turtles, they had a chance to escape. And thankfully, they could stay in that deep environment indefinitely because the asteroid, get this, happened to hit Chicxulub, which is an area that was rich in oil and sulfur. I mean, fucking insult to injury here. <laughs> oil and sulfur. 100 billion tons of sulfur, or 10,000 Lake Superiors, was ejected into the air along with all the rock. This sulfur also fell back to Earth as it condensed with clouds and became torrents of acid rain. And the oil. <laughs> the oil was about 150 football stadiums worth. It was ejected and, quote, condensed into the atmosphere as a sooty black layer and covered the Earth like a coat of paint. End quote. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about you, but sounds like a fucking disaster. I, I'm just throwing my hands up. At this point, I literally am. Both of my hands are up. <laughs> yes. So for my never say never business geese out there who want to find that deep ass cave and want to pull through, I don't know how we're friends, but here's a few more things you need to know other than staying away from the coastline and finding a deep cave. Here's some advice on where to look for your new home sweet home. Okay, please know that all of the shit in the atmosphere and the fire and the like, it reduced sunlight for about a three full years. We're talking about 90% of Earth's sunlight was reduced. Global temperatures fell about 50 degrees Fahrenheit on average. It's no surprise 75% of everything went extinct. So, what to do, what to do, quote, the only places you can go to avoid this global freeze are the tropical islands of Madagascar, India, an island at the time, and Indonesia. Not only do these equatorial oases provide a few plants and animals to eat, but according to climate models, they are some of the few places on Earth that continued to receive fresh water. In the global chill, evaporation almost ceased, so rainfall decreased by 80%. Nearly every spot on Earth outside of these tropical islands dried into a desert. These islands may be an apocalyptic oasis, but they're not paradise. Skip the sunscreen and pack extra food. They receive 10% of their normal sunlight and only barely enough rainfall to stay above desertification. In this cold, dim environment, most but not all food chains will collapse. End quote. So there's a very small light at the end of this tunnel for you, my friends, uh, if you can find your way there. Oh, and also stick to rivers if you can, whatever trickles of them may exist. Fossil evidence suggests freshwater ecosystems did okay. Uh, so I hope you like eating turtles, crocs, tiny fish, clams, snails, and small crustaceans. So five stars. And oh, if you happened who have also packed at least six years worth of additional food, you may stand a chance. Um, sorry, I forgot to tell you to pack that before we got in our time machine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, anyway, look, find yourself a mountainous tropical island, hide <laughs> deep in a cave most of the time. And please, 
please, please, please, please, please do not eat any small shrews or mammals. If you eat the wrong one, humans may never have a chance to evolve. So it's kind of like that Simpsons episode with the toaster. I'm not going to Google it. And the end. <laughs> Thank you for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends all of the terrible things. Every single horrible fucking thing I just said. And thank you for just being on this journey with me for three years to 150 episodes. This is the best family I could ask for. So thank you. And please, stay interesting.